Dialogic Disciple is an invitation to explore discipleship in dialogue with the world as disciples of the Word. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dialogic Disciple podcast. My name is James Johnson and I am here with... His co-host, Elizabeth Shaby. Elizabeth, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. We have a guest here in the studio slash office today, uh, Reverend Sarah Mon. Sarah, how are you doing? Did I say your name right? You did. <laughs> Congratulations. Just, <laughs> I just went, Not I was that like, hard. I, in, my, in my head, I was like, I don't know. Oh, wait. <laughs> Is it Mogan? <laughs> oh, that's you what get I get that a lot. A lot. Oh, wow. oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Well, Sarah, thank you so much Mogan. for being here today. How was you, How's your Christmas going? It went really well. Yeah? yeah? Yeah. I was just telling Elizabeth that put some distance between myself and work. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it's hard to do that um, around here sometimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, um, Elizabeth, you were t- talking the other day about how that week between Christmas and New Year's. Oh, is, blessed peace. Blessed oh, peace. It's what day is it? Yes. Mm. I love that feeling. The rush of the holidays are over. Yes. And you just get to bask in this beautiful, still Christmas glow of nothingness. <laughs> it takes me a few days really? to unwind. Yeah. And my husband always reminds me that I, <laughs> I can stop telling everybody what to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll try. Um, did anybody here have anything special happen over, over the Christmas I mean, technically, we're still in Christmas. So yeah, come on, James. Anything special happen over Christmas that anyone wants to talk about? You have little kids, Sarah. What did, did you guys do anything family fun related? Do you have any fun traditions or anything? Well, we have a couple. We didn't do as many of the traditional things as we have in years past. Why is that? Um, well, one boy slash young man came home, um, the middle one from upstate New York, Ooh. and he really doesn't like being told what to do. I mean, do not. any of I, us. Come on. Um, <laughs> so it was hard to get him to rally. And then the oldest boy slash young man lives near Georgia Tech. Okay. He came home for a few days. It was also hard to get him on board. And then the 11-year-old just gets sad that his older brothers Aww. won't participate. <laughs> but we did, we did have a good time. Um, the we went and saw the Nutcracker. Oh, cool. Nice. That's one of my favorite things to do. All right. And um, went to visit my mom and got a couple days away with no children, just my husband. Oh, great. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That is great. Very cool. Mm-hmm. I recommend that for couples. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, uh, we had uh, Christmas. Um, I have one tradition for Christmas, which is... Uh, at this point in my life, anyway, which is on Christmas Eve to watch It's a Wonderful Life on NBC at 8 p.m., mm. uh, which I encourage everyone to do if you haven't done it. Uh, it is a fantastic experience to know that you're sitting there watching this movie with probably about five or six million other people. Yeah. As I looked up the ratings and see, uh, it is the most watched thing on Christmas Eve, which uh, I guess this shouldn't be shocking. But uh, it is uh, my tradition, in which I got to participate in again this year. I think I've done it now for 25, 26 years, maybe now in a row. Uh, it's something I did with my grandmother when mm. she was still with us, and so it's uh, it's an important thing for me. And then uh, my daughter got some lightsabers. Funny thing that happened with uh, with that is my daughter and 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 me, my daughter and me, my daughter and I, we bought each other the same 
Christmas gift. We both bought each other a pair no. of lightsabers <laughs> because we like to play lightsaber fight with our arms all the time. And she was like, look, Dad. So she went first. She and I interrupted. I was like, oh, this is great. She's like, now we don't have to play with our arms anymore. Now we can actually do it. And I and I got the same thing for her. And that was uh, that's precious. It was pretty magical. Uh, that's my daughter. That's my kid. Yeah, she's pretty neat. <laughs> she is. She's a lot. <laughs> I love her. Uh, <laughs> she, you know, she's always fifty uh, fifty on whether or not she's going to go down for the children's moment uh, mm. on Sundays. Oh, really? Yeah, because she, you know, she's likes to sit there and draw and color and whatnot. And, mm-hmm. and uh, but every time she goes down, I'm like, oh man, please don't, don't be too much for for Sarah to handle down there. <laughs> I, I think I've got it with her now. Yeah. Too. <laughs> we have a good a good pattern. Good. She always sits next to me, which yes. I appreciate. Oh yeah, she likes sitting close to the teacher, which is a weird thing, mm-hmm. but. Uh, <laughs> that is her thing. What yeah. about you, Elizabeth? Anything special happen with uh, Christmas for you? Did you get anything special for Christmas? I get Did anything special. So no one brought me a puppy. <laughs> it was pretty disappointing, actually. Now, you you are want allergic. a dog? You are allergic I to puppies, have one. as I recall. <laughs> <laughs> I am allergic to them, but I love them. So sometimes we choose to ignore that fact. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could make mine available. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, he's had an upset stomach for the last oh, three days no. in the house. It has been constant. See, I think about these things, then I remember, <laughs> like, it's been a long time since I have been the primary person in the house with a dog, mm-hmm. and then I remember all these delightful things that happen. Like, they do get sick, like we do, and, you know, right. it's like, it's you not just this furry thing that's going to love you all the time. It's like, you also have to take care of it. We are getting close to the end of our Advent Christmas Epiphany journey, the promise of Eden. Um, we are, what is today? The, the fourth, fourth Wednesday, is January the fourth. So uh, we are in like the 11th day of Christmas, I believe. We are. The really? 11th day of Christmas. So, And I would Christmas. just like to say that no one brought me 11 drummers drumming. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Could you imagine? We give thanks. <laughs> and for this, we give thanks. <laughs> I, I, was, I was more looking forward to the swans. I can forgive the drummers, but I also got no swans, and I was very disappointed about that. During this, uh, during this part of our, our devotional journey, we've been talking about... Um, how the word of God has been rooted with us in the birth of Jesus Christ. And so today I thought we would spend just a, just a little bit of time here talking about how, um, how we've seen that play out. I've been reading um, the devotional. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, and the thing that has struck me or that has resonated with me is this idea of staying with God, you know, like when Jesus was separated. Mm. Well, when he chose to stay in the temple. And mm. his parents somehow traveled for three days without him yes. <laughs> before they realized it. Hey, it takes a village. Right? It does. <laughs> um, oh, man. Maybe that's where the idea of Home Alone came from. <laughs> there you go. Oh, Jesus is the original Kevin McAllister. I like it. This that's is good. fabulous. <laughs> that's good. Uh, yeah. That was a gem. <laughs> um, but this idea of staying with God even when it's hard. Yeah. Right. And staying when we're full of fear or worry. Yeah. Um, and it, it makes me think it actually had me thinking about being a parent and that one of the transformative moments in my life obviously was when I became a parent. Sure. 
yeah. right? It's that, like, gotta, okay, it's like a restart um, <laughs> yeah. on life. It all shifts. But that after that moment, this realization that, oh, I have to stay close to the source mm. every day going forward, stay in the temple, stay rooted in the word because yeah. you act- your heart actually becomes um, alive and outside of you and you're not you have no control over your child moving through the world. Yeah. Uh, right. And that it's so much, it can be so much fear. Yeah. Yeah. That it can be a lot. I like that image of your heart becomes alive and outside of you. Like it's like the thing that you love is, is now. That's pretty powerful. Doing free actions out in the world <laughs> without your direct control. Cause that, that is exactly how, um, how I feel with, with Kiefer. Um, and you know, I, I think the, maybe the to flip that the flip that relationship i think it works for the metaphor that you're trying to get at sarah which is that just like children have to stay close to their parents right parents have to stay close to god in order to kind of keep that chaos from and that panic and that worry and that fear to overwhelm us right yes um a, a child wouldn't last i mean of course unless you're jesus obviously uh, a child wouldn't last very long without without being close to the source of their life you know, and neither do we. We wouldn't last very long without being close. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I like that. Yeah. I felt it profoundly when, for the first time, John drove away mm. in a car. Mm. Yeah. And I looked up. I was like, you got it, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Because I have no control. It's, yeah. you know, like you go, they, they're separate. They're yeah. going to make their own decisions. Yeah. And you have children now, Sarah, that are they're older and kind of out in the world doing their own thing. And um, I would imagine that even more so. I mean, I don't know if more so, but uh, even now, as you as you see them out making their own decisions, and and you've prepared them the best you can to to live in in the world as as young men. Um, yet you, you you have no control over the decisions that they make now. Like even now. Mm-hmm. Even though you know that they're safe and they're good and and they're responsible, you you still have this kind of care and concern and and worry uh, over these guys, these young men who are out in the world, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's hard that the Bible says over and over and mm. over, "Do not worry." Do yeah. not worry. Yeah. And you're like, are you sure? <laughs> I, could, I could do it for a little while. <laughs> I, do, I do more than my fair share of it. <laughs> yeah. I, I do wish Jesus had said a little bit more about that. He, he talks about consider the lilies when he says, don't worry. Right? He says, consider the lilies. And the lilies are clothed better than Solomon. But he doesn't say anything mm-hmm. like, and you know, the lilies don't have kids. right? The right. lilies don't have to worry yeah. about little baby lilies running around. Yeah. <laughs> I was. I did my first, uh, my first session of my biblical storytelling class class last night and it's on zoom and the professor uh started off the class by so she wanted to pray but before we do that she said i want everyone to take the thing that they've come with because we all have a thing right Mm -hmm. something that we're worried about something that's on our mind sometimes it's you know sometimes it's a bad thing but sometimes it's also a good thing like you're have a phone call with your best friend after this and you haven't talked to him in forever and you're really excited so whatever that thing is good or bad take it and imagine throwing it into the center of the room where god's hands are holding out Right. And so for the next two hours, you know, God's going to hold that thing. And if you choose at the end of those two hours, you can pick it back up like it's still going to be there. 
She says, I find a lot of times students choose to say, okay, I'm going to let God keep holding that, right? I don't want to pick that back up. But for the next two hours, put that in God's hands and let's center ourselves. And I just love that as a practice for anything. It was very helpful. And then she actually had us like visually do our hands where we're like throwing the thing into the center of the room, which was really cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I like that. Embodying the story. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good like worry, anxiety practice, at least for me. You know, I liked that a lot. I, I use something similar sometimes when I pray of handing it over, yeah. you know, and putting it in the hands of God. But sometimes if it's a worry related thing, I'll ask to borrow it. If I feel the worry coming on, I'll, you know, yeah. well, let me, I'll take it back for a minute. Okay. I'm done. I'll give it back. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cause you're not, yeah. it's, it's not always easy to remove yourself from it. Right. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. 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 You said something at the beginning of our conversation about like God encouraging us to, um, like even in the chaos, we have to remember to let the thing go, right? Mm-hmm. And I was reading uh, Isaiah earlier, and I was digging into just the very beginnings of a commentary on it, talking about how there's a lot of those themes throughout Isaiah, especially in the chapters 50s and 60s. Like, it's not just like, you know, your light has come, your light is here, like God is mm. here, no worries. It's like you're in the midst of all this stuff that's really hard, and you still have to remember to hope. You still have to remember that it's going to be okay. Right. So it's about being in the thick of life and right having that peace there having knowing that god is rooted with you there in whatever form that takes yeah i remember i don't remember what i read in seminary but one of the things <laughs> somebody some used the word cleave cleaving ooh that's oneself a good one. to to christ that's a good biblical mm. word and um i i think of myself as having to cleave you know and that's yeah. pretty gruesome of of an image but it feels yeah. like that, right? To hold on to that, mm-hmm. yeah. that anchor. Yeah. So Sarah, you, um, you are the children's minister here at Northside Church, mm-hmm. and um, you, you come in contact with a lot of children um, on Sunday and throughout the week. Um, my guess is that you do encounter children who have uh, come to you or to someone on your staff with uh, anxiety or fear, with some kind of chaos that's happened in their life. And I don't know if, um, if, if you have the words to describe this, but I'm curious as to like how, as, as the minister, how do, you, how do you try to bring peace into that situation when, when you see like just terror or anxiety or chaos kind of gripping a child? Um, like, how do you, how do you remind this child that, you know, Jesus is rooted with us, that, that Christ is here present with us? Like, how do you, what, what, do you have a, like a, a go-to way of doing that or? He's asking for a friend. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. I'm asking for a friend. Well, I actually have one experience that happened a few months ago and there's this sweet, sweet young girl and she had come back from summer and was in Sunday school. And it was a lot. Yeah. Those first few weeks, lots of excitement and energy. And of course we had, I had picked activities that encouraged excitement and (laughs) (laughs) madness, (laughs) but she, um, was completely attached on her backside to the wall, like rigid and standing up against it with her arms straight. And she was touching the wall and just on the wall. And I approached her and 
and got down on her level, which is there's not much difference between myself and a fifth grader because I stopped growing in the fifth grade. But, um, and I think I just said, I get it. I, I, I know, I think, I think I know how you feel right now. And, um, and then the next week when I was, uh, practicing the children's sermon, I, I have a lot of nerves, anxiety, (laughs) and I still get anxious when I do the children's sermons. Um, but that prior Saturday when I was going over it in my head, she, she always comes up on stage and she just, she always stares directly at me. Like uh, some kids, um, they're listening, but they look forward, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, they, and they're waving at their parents, but they are listening. Yeah. But she always sits there with this rapt attention staring at me. And, um, when I was practicing, she was the face I was envisioning. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And the next day I saw her and, and I told her, I said, Hey, um, I bet you didn't know this, but I get really nervous when I go up there. And yesterday when I was practicing, it was you that I was picturing having a conversation with up there that's cool now i mean of course you never know what a, the takeaway is you know sure. that child might walk away and think well that's weird <laughs> <laughs> you know but the intention was to relate to her anxiety yeah uh, with um a very concrete example in my yeah. own life yeah. yeah no that's great the fact there's a little bit of a um a mutual kind of empathetic uh switch of, of, of positions there in a situation like uh, like you're picturing her right and who knows maybe she's picturing you like getting down mm-hmm. on her level and being like I know how you feel like you guys helped yeah. each other out in a moment of yeah. of mutual anxiety right mutual right. nerves or whatever yeah. Yeah. I love that that's really beautiful and I think that's that's the greatest to me that's always been one of the coolest things that God gives us in Jesus is like God saying yeah I get it right yeah it's not right. like Talk about stop. Getting down on our level. You're gonna be fine. Don't yeah. worry. It's like, I get it. Yeah, yeah, I get it. It's the most amazing thing that, yeah. our, that our God became human. Yeah, right. And and knows. Yeah. Really gets it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. That's and that's something that I've I've returned to over the past couple of years is we tend to think about. Um, Jesus, his sacrifice and his his relation to pain and suffering as as Jesus on the cross, which I mean is absolutely true. But I I like to think about, and I don't like to think about, but I find great meaning in Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane mm-hmm. when he's sitting there and he is like he yeah. is he is so he is so wrapped with uh, fear, I think, yeah. and mm-hmm. anxiety that he is like he's he's sweating blood, right? Yeah. And and he is like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to do this. Like the ultimate kind of like yeah. huge stage fright kind of situation. But yeah. like, for the you know, for the salvation of the world, and and it's in that moment where he decides to go through with it anyway. That I really like that I I I find a great deal of, of profound power in that moment. Even even more so than. Than him on the cross to some degree, like, yeah. Because I'm, I'm not, I'm probably not going to be crucified. Uh, let's hope. Uh, but I will be in those moments where I've been asked to do something, called to do something by God, and mm-hmm. and that anxiety and fear um, will grapple, will grapple me, will cleave to me. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, well, and I think too, we can also 
imagine God as parent, you know? And I mean, we are, you know, I don't imagine God necessarily as riddled with anxiety, but we are made in God's image. And so God as a parent seeing his son experience these things, yeah, right? Like that's, right. that that's another like, yeah, I get it. You know, like yeah. I, I imagine that there's empathy there, you know, that our God feels for us as, you know, that can look at you and say, I get it. You know, I get what you're going through with your kids because right. I had one too. <laughs> I mean, it's hard, you it's know, hard, whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't know. That's. I did see a, a holiday movie. This is the problem with being 50. Um, it's like, what holiday movie was it? I don't know. I don't know. Was it but Die Hard? The, no. No. But there's this great dialogue between two of the characters, and it's about bravery and courage. And I think the younger person was assuming that um, having courage or being brave meant the lack of fear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that... No, that's not the case. Right. That you can still do the next right thing mm-hmm. even when you're fearful. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. That you you just you know, because you cleave yourself to Christ that you have to steady yourself and walk through it. Yeah. 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 Even with the fear. Mm-hmm. You're just saying no to the fear. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Yeah. Absolutely. In fact, um, uh, you know, ancient Greek philosophers like Socrates and Aristotle tell you that you can't be brave unless you have fear. Uh, otherwise, you're just oblivious. Like, yeah, running into a situation that you should be afraid of that you're not afraid of. That's just that's just it's concerning. <laughs> it's that's concerning. Deeply concerning. Right? Right. That is a There's lack of self awareness, right? Yeah. But in in order to truly assess a situation and know that it, I should be afraid here. Or I am afraid here, mm-hmm. and then to do it anyway—that yeah. is bravery. Mm-hmm. That's courage. That right. is true courage, uh, and that is something that uh, I think we oftentimes forget. Uh, and that that mm-hmm. source again, getting staying close to the source of our courage uh, in Jesus Christ and in God mm-hmm. um, is a very important part of the, of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about this. Uh, um, we talked about this week in the in the devotional how Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, and that is. That is exactly what he's talking about. That that he is the source of all of that. Um, not not the not the one that's going to eliminate all fear and anxiety because those things are a natural part of what it means to be human. In fact, mm-hmm. they're they're necessary aspects. They are suffering itself is a necessary aspect of growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talks about how the branches will be pruned, you know, but not cut off, pruned. And yeah. so there's some there's some pain that comes with being connected to Jesus Christ. But that if we stay connected to the source, that we always have life we always have a source of order and peace in our lives i also think of the vine and staying close um in terms of staying deeply connected to a church community Mm, yeah you know i know for myself that a part of the reason i chose to do what i do um to even to pursue ordination um was was self-serving in some way because I know that if I don't stay yeah deeply rooted in Christian community yeah you know don't leave me to my own devices oh, yeah. absolutely I I want to be as close mm-hmm. as possible as many days of the year as I can yeah yeah I have that same 
I have that same thought oftentimes. You know, I, I think about how grateful I am that God called me into ministry. I'm not always like that, but I'm very much of the disposition that if that had not been the case and I had I not followed that that call into the church work that I do, um, who knows where I'd be. Mm-hmm. Like I would be out there, um, out lost in the ocean. Who knows? I have no idea. You know, yeah. I'd probably be a lawyer. Can you imagine? That'd be terrible. No, no disrespect to the lawyers out yeah. there. Just you know, for me personally. Yeah. Yeah. And in some ways, to me, I felt like I know I had a choice. I know I have free will. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I know myself as a teenager and in my twenties, and I just, I was just too yeah. lost. Yeah. You uh, know. Same. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think that's. I mean, that's the. The freedom that God gives us, right? It's the freedom to choose God. But like, like you're saying, like that to me, that's that. Um, I don't know if discernment's the right word, but it feels like answering the call, right? It's mm-hmm. like I, I know I am choosing to answer it, but it wouldn't really feel right otherwise. Like this is the thing mm-hmm. that I need to be doing. Mm-hmm. Saying yes. Yeah. 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 That's really that's the whole game. It yeah. comes down to the question is like, yeah, we all have free will, but. A, a truly free, independent will is also a sinful will, and and really, yeah. you can choose not to go with God, but you're yes. gonna end up swallowed by a well, probably. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Oh, I love Jonah. So there's peace. Yeah, there's true peace in doing what God has called us to do. So, I'm glad you answered the call. By the way, Sarah, well, I'm, I'm glad that you're here <laughs> at Northside, and that you're serving with our children. My my daughter loves you to death, so that's a good thing. Well, she's you know. She can be fickle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I bet she can be. Did you um, did you see the new Pinocchio? I have not seen it yet. Is it good? Yes. Oh, I've heard good things. It's by uh, Gamero, what's his name? Uh, Gamero del, del Toro. Toro. Yeah, and he's yeah. a great storyteller. He is, yeah. Do yeah. you think it's suitable for a faith and film class? Uh, yes. I don't, originally I was thinking, oh, it'd be great for young kids, but. He does very dark things. Yes, he does. Yeah, he wrestles <laughs> and, um, with some dark themes. He does. It's it's very much about the beauty of life and and choosing. Yeah. Right to love. Yeah. Even if even if it if it, we know that it will ultimately lead to our destruction. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny how. It's funny how those those themes, like in any real good literature, whether it's a book, a, a song, if it's a movie, in order to get to the true beauty of life, you have to go through that darkness. You have to really wrestle with some dark themes to mm-hmm. get to where you can truly appreciate the beauty of what we've been given yeah. uh, through Jesus Christ. Yeah. Just being breathed into existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like choosing, choosing the beauty is also choosing the pain that comes with it. It's not... You don't just get one without the other. So, so in, in jumping off that idea though, Sarah, like in your experience with working with children here at the church or your own children or wherever you've encountered this, like what is, what is a, a good and faithful way to, to kind of wrestle with some of those darker themes of, of life that help us get to, or is it, or is there, is there a level that you can't, children just aren't ready for, or are children more resilient than we think? Are they ready to accept a little bit more of the darkness of life? 
I know that when I was in like fourth and fifth grade, I was asking a lot of questions about. I bet you were. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was asking a lot that of questions. Tracks. And, I, and, yeah. I, and, there were, and there were a lot of folks in my life who just kind of avoided talking about things because I was a kid. You know, I was 10, 11 years old. Um, but I think it would have done me a lot better had somebody been honest with me or, or at least been engaging with me. You know, yeah. like there's certain things that you can't just straight up tell a kid. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm interested, like, how do we how do we as a church faithfully um, train our children to know about chaos and darkness and how those things are part of a human life? Well, you definitely have to spoon feed uh-huh. depending on the age, I think. Yeah. But I also think like each child is so different. Yeah. And they really have to lead that conversation and ask questions on their own. Sometimes I can be too honest with my own children (laughs) and I say too much and I think that I can scare them. Yeah. But if I leave the conversation ongoing, um, currently I do a, a devotion with Austin every night that's really rooted, it's rooted in the word, but also in cultivating gratitude. Oh, cool, yeah. But it does lay the groundwork for those other questions. Mm. Um, recently, here's an example of me telling <laughs> one of my children too much. Um, <laughs> my 11-year-old Austin um, has a friend who's also 11. There's, for some reason, there's so many 11-year-old boys where we live, and it's fantastic. That's awesome. And one of his friends, um, the father was just diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. And it's a very bad prognosis. It is terrible. And I said too much about what was probably going to happen in a very short period of time. Mm. And Austin is very sensitive. And he'll probably end up a minister. (laughs) And um, he was very upset. And I asked him, I said would you feel comfortable praying right now? And we sat down and we prayed. And, you know, the prayer was about how we don't understand. Yeah. And we don't know why. But to help us be there for our friend. Yeah. Um, in, in, in concrete ways that, that feel doable for us, whether it be inviting him over for a play date. Yeah. Um, or just stopping by one day with the basketball and asking him if he wanted to shoot hoops in the street. Um, but I wanted to acknowledge the uncertainty and the why. Yeah. And I think it's important that kids also see us say why, or I don't know, or doesn't this just make you angry, or I'm sad, or it makes me cry. Like, I think that there has to be some emotional transparency yeah, because they do understand that. Oh yeah, definitely. But if we Uh, present an image that's like, well, I have all the answers. I think they know, I think they can see through that. Yeah. Yeah. Even if they couldn't vocalize it, they can feel it, right? They know in a certain way that that kind of, that is something that as, 
as I've um, been been trying to figure out how to raise Kai, that's something that I've wrestled with many times is um, how how to be emotionally transparent with her. You know, in the sense of like, there's a lot of times you just want to hide away how you feel uh, in front of your kid. You don't want your kid to see like the worst parts of you. You don't want to see the kid to see the 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 weakness, I guess. But that's exactly what you're talking about. Is that those things are important. Yeah. Um, for her own development to be emotionally right complete <laughs> whole as a human being yeah uh, she works through her own life and her own struggles yeah yeah i was with a, a friend of mine who's a social worker talking having a conversation with a kid and this kid just started asking questions about something and i got really hung up on like i'm not around kids a whole lot and so i got hung up on like why is this kid that's this age asking stuff about this? And I just like couldn't get past that. And my friend who works with kids all the time, she just like kept asking questions back to the kid. And it was like, well, what do you think about this? Oh, that's interesting. And it was like her perspective was you just like she's just trying to explore. She's just exploring this thing that's happening and you just got to sit there with her and explore it, too. Like and so it was just like just just sitting there with the kid and wondering together. Wondering. I love the word curiosity yeah. I feel like it's so healing yeah I think it's important for kids to see us be curious yeah yeah why and, let me can I ask you to follow up on that like what do you why how do you see curiosity as being a healing thing I think if we present ourselves as being shut off or full or knowing enough and having all the right ideas we're saying that we're not willing to evolve or grow yeah. or be challenged or develop. And, you know, it's, it's a lifelong journey. It's yeah. not just a journey till you're 20 or a journey till you're 30 or even 50. It just keeps on unfolding. So when we can stay curious, I think that they see that. A, yeah. a child, yeah. it, it is a childlike quality. Yeah. And they possess it so naturally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I remember when John was little, I used to um, find all the free things to do in Raleigh, North Carolina when I was a stay-at-home mom. And um, we probably had Eli in tow uh, as a baby. But we would go to the science museum. And I remember feeling free to be just as curious as he was. Yeah. I didn't have to go in with any kind of ego, like, oh, I know all about the stages of the metamorphosis of the <laughs> butterfly. Like, I could stare and wonder yeah. in awe and look at all of the, the cocoons that were, you know, pinned, mm -hmm. pinned to the uh, board, right? And you can look at the evolution of the, the change. And, um, and that's like, a fantastic quality that children just naturally possess. Yeah. I was reading something recently. Um, I think this was, uh, I think this quote came from, or this idea came from Isaac Asimov, who is a famous science fiction writer. And he said something to the effect of, you know, kids, when they enter into school and they're in kindergarten, they're five or six years old, they have all of these great existential scientific questions. Like why is the sky blue? And <laughs> where are the dinosaurs? And why are we here? Uh, these kinds of questions that all scientists are like trying to answer, like seriously, <laughs> answer. We're, we're trying to figure this stuff out. Yeah. Uh, but by the time they get to, by the time they graduate from high school, no, they're not asking those questions anymore. Like they, they've either got the answers they wanted or they just don't, not curious anymore about yeah. those things because they've been directed on another path. Yeah. And to, a way to kind of keep that curiosity uh, in our life, I think 
I think it's really important. I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying, Sarah, in the sense that curiosity can be that. But how do we do that? Like, how do you keep, I think, modeling it the way that you're talking about, mm-hmm. uh, Sarah, is, is, is a good way to go. Like, but I, think, that... I think you can embody curiosity. I think that it, it's a word that I've noticed can shift a room. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and I think that it was Catherine that started using the word a lot in front of me. I was going to say, she's the one where I ever. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, and she'll, she'll say, well, let's just be curious. Yeah. And immediately I felt this shift like, okay, I'm not coming in here with an agenda or right. trying to get my point across. We're just going to observe this and look at it from all angles. Yeah. Well, what's going on with this? It's like, it is like being in a laboratory, right? And looking at something. Mm. But if you allow it to, you you can embody it and yeah. then you can carry it. And maybe you can make the suggestion to somebody like, let's, let's just be curious. Let's just ask questions yeah. or get to know one another better. Yeah. See what happens, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's very non-threatening it's kind non-threatening. of posture. Not a lot of expectation to it, which is fabulous. Very easy to sit in that, I think. I think so too. And you have to have a level of humility and security, I guess, in yourself. Sure, uh, probably. In order to be able to do something like that, I do. You know, the method that I use in teaching um, Bible studies here throughout the week at Northside, uh, I think, is very much based in that. I have never thought about it like that, and as a curiosity thing, but like asking questions and just sitting with the text and. Trying not to have a preset understanding of, well, here's what Matthew chapter 5 means, and let me just yeah, explain right, it to you. But right. rather, let's have a conversation about it and see where we get to. Yeah. That's how I learn things from yeah. from people right. um, in classes, you know, um, right. in that conversation. Well, and I think that's why, for me, it, it became easier to be curious about Scripture the more I read it. Yeah. yeah. Because the less I read it, the harder it was to be curious because I just didn't really understand what was going on. And it got easier to ask those questions the more I read and the more I realized I didn't understand. It wasn't about reading and understanding and then having questions. It was just seeing everything that was out there and knowing there was a lot that I did. And then I had things to ask questions about. And then it became more fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sir, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for being here and part of this podcast. Elizabeth, thank you as yeah, well. This was a delight. Yeah, Do you have fun. any final words you want to give out to the people of Northside Church or anyone listening to this podcast? None that just come to my mind spontaneously. <laughs> well, I think you, you already said it. Stay so. curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay Keep asking curious. questions. Yes. Yes. And if somebody shuts you down, find somebody else. Uh-huh. There, you there you go. That's not the person for you. <laughs> well, everybody, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.